We are having a very important service this morning. All services are important, but especially this one deals with the leadership of our church. And uh, our church has been so blessed to have some great men of God as deacons. And uh, we come this morning to install and ordain three more to be a part of that. But if you're a deacon now in Woodland Hills Baptist Church, would you just stand, you and your wife, stand wherever you are here. Most of them are here uh, with us here if you're a deacon, all right? Would you give these guys amen? Thank you, guys. I want to introduce our chairman of the deacons. Uh, he's been here longer than I've been here. He and his wife were here, uh, and uh, they've gone to college at ETBU. They've become a valiant part of Woodland Hills Baptist Church and the ministry that we have here. Brother Matt Newton, you come as our chairman of the deacons today. Hey, good morning. Okay, it's my privilege today to introduce to you three couples that will be, we will be adding to our deacon body uh, here at Woodland Hills as well as Mason Creek. Uh, men, as I call your name, you guys can come on up to the stage. Ladies, y'all can stay seated. All right, uh, Brother Sandy Sanders and his wife Darlene. Come on up, Brother Sandy. Let's give him a hand. Brother Wes Stewart and his wife, Denise. And our soloist, Brother Jamie Green and his wife, Alicia. Uh, Brother Sandy and Brother Wes have already been previously ordained at a sister church, and they will be installed today to our deacon body. Uh, Brother Jamie is being ordained as a deacon today. The qualifications for a deacon can be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. The Bible says, Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first, and if proved blameless, they can serve as deacons. Wives, too, must be worthy of respect. Not slanders, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons must be husbands of one wife, manning, managing their children and their households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and a great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I present to you today that these couples have met these qualifications, uh, including the six-month observation period that's uh, put in play by our uh, church constitution. And at this time, I'd like to make a motion that we proceed with the ordaining and installation of these deacons. Is there a second? Second, Brother Randy Houston. All in favor say aye. aye. All opposed? And that's all of us. Man, y'all can come and share. Who wants to go first? My name's Jamie Green. The uh, uh, majority of y'all have heard my testimony. Uh, basically, the song that I sang earlier, or a part of it, was my testimony. Um, I was raised in a Christian home um, by two wonderful parents. Um, but I'm saying um again, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, 
but I just, I knew God, but I didn't know God. Um, I went my teenage years playing church, my 20s playing church. I come in here and played with the best of them. I mean, you know, just like Brother Charles preached on, you know, you can come in here and play church and you can fool the people around you. You can fool your spouse, but you can't fool God. And I, I knew that my heart wasn't right, but as Brother Charles preached about, God took my barley field. He burnt my barley field, and that's what it took. But by the grace of God, he got me through it, and I asked Jesus into my heart on March 1st of 2016, and I've never looked back. I'm honored to be uh, even even considered to uh, serve as a deacon here at Woodland Hills Baptist Church alongside these men. There's some wonderful men. I'm thankful for them. And, and uh, more than anything, you're not getting Wes, but you're getting Denise. Denise has uh, been a wonderful wife who stood beside me, and I know she's been a blessing to many of you already. I'm so thankful for her and, and uh, the daughters that we've raised. And of course, you all know Brittany. That, that married a uh, case a few years back. We're so grateful for our family. But God called me to be a deacon back in 1988, 87, along in there. Uh, I served, at, I was at Woodland, I was at Macedonia Baptist Church there for, for some 30 years, and Brother Raymond Penny was the pastor. And uh, I, he called me into his office one day, and, and, and much to my surprise, he said that I was. Uh, selected as a candidate to be a deacon and I it, it never even crossed my mind that that would take place but it did and uh, my testimony is very much like uh, Paul the Apostle because I grew up in a Christian church and I knew all the rules and everything that you were supposed to do and not supposed to do my grandfather was a great uh, preacher well-known in East Texas uh, and so I had a heritage of Christianity and nine years old I walked the aisle but at nine years old I didn't even know I was lost and so I couldn't really be saved without knowing that I was lost because I grew up in a Christian en environment as I did but a few years down the road at the age of 17 I saw myself as I was a sinner that needed to be saved and I called on Jesus and asked him to save me and so life progressed I met Denise and we were married and raised a family and just uh, on and on. The Lord has greatly blessed us and I'm so thankful for it. I've had the opportunity to teach Sunday school for over 30 years and I, and I just love God's word and I love to share it with people. So I'm just thankful for this privilege to serve and, and I invite you, any of you, any time to call on me. I'll be glad to assist you in any way that I can. I guess we're doing this on an age thing, and I guess I'm the oldest one up here. So, my testimony is I was uh, VBS. Uh, VBS holds a great deal in my heart because of the kids that were saved just through VBS. Uh, I was about, I think, about 12 years old. I've slept a few times since then. And Mrs. Elsie Doggett, James O'Haver, and I 
on our knees on an old green bench in a little old Baptist church, pray the sinner's prayer to ask Jesus to come into our lives, save us of our sins, and forgive us of our sins. And from that point on, I served in that church and sang in a choir, did all those things that you do when you're young, and went to service, kind of put Jesus on the back burner for quite a while. And through that time, and just before I went in to the service, I realized that I had never been baptized. So I went forward in the church and was baptized in another church because we didn't have a baptistry in ours. So anyways, I went in the Air Force, was there for four years, and uh, married Darlene at that time. And when we moved to Yuma, Arizona, I really started growing in the Lord and doing those things in 1982, I was approached to be a, a deacon in that church. Went through the deacon ordination service and uh, was accepted. And I consider it a privilege to serve in this church now. We've served in several different churches over time and our moves going from here and there. But I consider it a privilege and an honor to serve Jesus Christ in this church and to also be at Mason Creek. So basically that's my testimony. And uh, I love the Lord and he, I, he loves me. I will continue to serve <clears throat> to the best of my ability. These guys are gonna come if you would and uh, kneel here in the front. If your wives would come and stand behind them and uh, Brother Matt's going to lead the other deacons to gather around them. And uh, this morning, rather than individual uh, prayer time, we're just going to have one uh, prayer for all. See, guys, if y'all can, if you'll uh, go ahead and kneel there. All right. And then deacons, if you'll just gather around them there. <clears throat> These men are a great, great deal of to this church, not only the ones kneeling, but their wives and each of these men also. I've asked Brother Dale Perkins if he would to come and just lead our prayer of dedication for these three men. Lord, we're reminded again how tedious and tasteless the hours when Jesus no longer I see sweet birds sweet prospects, sweet flowers, they've all lost their beauty to me. And the midsummer sun shines but dim in the fields, strive in vain to look gay. But when I'm happy in him, December's as lovely as May. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Father, that you gave us this word to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being found in the form of a servant, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And wherefore? God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. Thank you for the example of servanthood. These men today, God, all of them, those kneeling and those standing, are your servants. Thank you for being a member of a church where men realize that servanthood is greater than exaltation. When we're humble, you lift us up. You gave that example, Lord, by being born in a manger when it could have been a palace. You rode on a donkey instead of a great steed. I pray that as these new men serve, and along with these men who have already been serving for these years, you would give to them unusual wisdom and discernment that they would not be men of feeling great power, but they would be men of great humility because this is what you see. Thank you for the experience this morning already of worshiping, praising you. May this never leave our hearts and minds, and may we exalt the Christ above all. We love you and thank you for this church, for our pastor, for the leadership, and for these servants of yours. In the wonderful name of our Savior, who was servant of all, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Brother Matt and Rosie. We want to start. Okay, we like to present these uh, certificates to our deacons. This one is for Sandy Sanders' certificate of installation. Let's give him a hand. Certificate of Ordination, Brother Jamie Green. And Certificate of Installation, Brother Wes Stewart. God bless y'all. Thank you. What a blessing. You can be seated. Let me recognize a couple of the things here before we get going here in the uh, sermon. I won't forget it. Uh, has anybody sang? No, did y'all know today is Brother Casey's birthday? Amen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Brother Case. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Case. He, he is almost as red as that dress that Brittany has on. <laughs> One other group I want to organ, uh, recognize this morning, and that is uh, we've got three this week, but I know there are more here. If you've been married 50 years or longer, would you just stand up, you and your wife, just stand up where you are right now, 50 years or longer? <laughs> Guys, would you look around here? Amen. In the balcony up here, too. 
These folks are some of the greatest examples. Thank you. You may be seated. If you've got problems in your marriage, you ought to look out one of these has been married 50 years plus. Because they've got some good godly answers for you. What, what a blessing to be here this morning. I'm going to be looking. We're not going to read uh, because we're short of time. But uh, I want to just look in the 13th chapter of the book of Exodus this morning. So we think about deacons and leadership. I, I got a new iPad several, I don't know, weeks ago. I'm technologically challenged. And uh, nobody has to say amen there. I, uh, I couldn't get the thing. It's real easy. All you have to do, it automatically just swaps everything from your old one over to your new one except they just don't work. I mean, they're lying. They're just lying. That's all they're doing. And so I went down to, uh, I've got a guy at the AT&T store and he sees me coming in and he runs for the back room. And, but I always drag him out. And uh, some of y'all know Kevin. So he, uh, anyway, I said, Kevin, this thing does not work right. It won't. And he, and he looked at it just a few moments. And he said, you know what your problem is? You're not hooked up to the cloud. I said, say what? He said, you've got to be hooked up to the cloud. The cloud is what stores everything. The cloud is where everything goes. And you've got to be hooked up to the cloud. And I thought, that's the craziest one thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. But I got hooked up to the cloud. Now I've got it running. I don't know how to operate all of it, but it is running anyway. Uh, and I, I thought as we were thinking about deacons today and their connection, you guys have got to be hooked up to the cloud. There is a cloud in Exodus 13. And the cloud literally hovered over the testimony of tents or the tabernacle. And it was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when the cloud moved, the people of Israel moved. When the clouds stayed there, they stayed there. It represented the holiness of God. The law, the power, the word was there. It also rep represented the divine presence of God. Where you saw the cloud, you knew God was there. Well, we've come to a place in our churches today where we manipulate and we try to... Uh, Make everything so great. I mean, the parking's got to be great. The, the building's got to be beautiful. The music's got to be great. The programs have got to be first class. The preacher's got to be great and all of this. But I want to tell you, when the cloud shows up, it doesn't matter about all that. None of that makes any difference. You park in a cow field if the cloud is here, and it won't make any difference because the Holy Spirit of God is here. And then it also held the divine guidance of God. These men that we're looking at this morning and these others here also, they're good men. They're godly men. They're not perfect. No one here is perfect. I, I don't care what somebody told you. Uh, they're, 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 no one is perfect. There's none good, no, not one. And as deacons and leaders in this church, people are going to call on you for favors. They're going to try to sway you. They're going to come and they're going to say, I remember your daddy. Me and him were good friends, and I remember your grandfather, and they're going to try to come in the back door. But listen to me this morning, men. If you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. But if you displease God, it doesn't matter who you please. So just three things here, and I'm through. There's a call of God, 
And God calls men into leadership positions. And we ordain men in a Baptist church for two functions. One is a deacon and one is a pastor. Those are the two ordained people in the church. Now you say, well, now wait a minute. Uh, I know of this lady that's ordained. Well, in this church, we don't believe that's scriptural. It, it, you know, God, it's hard for a woman to be the husband of one wife. Uh, in fact, that even makes it worse. In our day-to-day, you can be, but it's still not right. Uh, God calls men. And uh, throughout the Bible, we, there's any number of men we could look at. I've thought about Adam. And God called him. I thought about Gideon. I thought about Elijah. I thought about Samuel, David, uh, uh, Jeremiah, Elisha, Ezra, Jonah, Amos, Hosea, Abraham. I mean, some of those men, though, the call is the same. The, the, it's prevalent. The first thing I notice here is why in the world would God call you? Why would God call you? Why would God call Jamie Green? I guess that nobody wants to know. Somebody don't want to know. <laughs> don't you wish sometimes the devil would just call in sick one day? <laughs> why would God call you? Well, I want to tell you why. The first thing, he calls a deacon because he's saved. And we've seen witness of all three of these men that have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. It's not shaking a preacher's hand. They've been saved through Calvary. And then he calls them because he's got something in store for this church through him. These men are going to be a blessing to Woodland Hills Baptist Church and the kingdom of God. God calls men for purposes to do that. And then thirdly, I believe he calls you because he wants to strengthen you. Uh, We're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted as men and as deacons, as leaders in this church. We're going to be tempted to... Turn away from God when the going gets tough. And I believe God's asking us this morning, do we really mean it? Are you really a follower of mine? Have you burned your bridges? Will you carry that cross? Those are questions that we've got to answer. What does it cost? Because it costs something to follow God. Well, the first thing it costs is our sins. When we're dealing with Abraham, God told Abraham to get up leave everything he's got, get out of sinful Ur. You see, God had to get him out of Ur, and then God had to get Ur out of him. And we're the same way. God has to get sin out of us. So it costs us our sins. It costs us some of our comforts. If you're going to be a man of God and you're going to be a leader, Abraham had to leave some things that were pleasant. They weren't sinful. He lived in a beautiful homeland. His friends, his relatives, the disciples gave up their fishing business. The missionary gives up his homeland. All who follow God's will are called to give up some things. They may not be sinful. They're just not expedient. They're just not what God calls us to do. It seems like here almost we've lost the heroic, sacrificial element of Christianity. We emphasize peace with God. We forget that we've declared war on the devil. Whether you want to know it or not, the devil's got war on you. And when these men come to be ordained, there's a bigger target on their back than there was before the day they came. The hardest thing, oh, have mercy. The hardest thing we do, singing onward Christian soldiers, is staying awake through all the stanzas. We've forgotten what it's like to get on the battle line and get on the firing line. 
and say, devil, we're not going to have it anymore. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Finally, the response to the call of God is going to cost you your sight. It's going to cost you your sight. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. For the rest of the life that Abraham lived, he, he, he walked with blind faith. The Bible says he left Ur in Hebrews eleven eight, not knowing where he was going. And I want to tell you, that's the story from this day on. Abraham was promised a son that came after 30 years of waiting. And incidentally, if you want to know what happens when you try to do your plan to help God along, read a little bit about Abraham. Some of the problems we've got in this world today are because Abraham tried to help, Abraham and Sarah tried to help God along. And then he was promised the land of Canaan. You know, the only thing Abraham had in Canaan, he owned a grave there, and that was it. Manuel Scott, he's a little black preacher about four foot tall from Detroit. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. He always had suspenders, and he would pop those suspenders, pow, you know. Manuel Scott said this, Abraham owned stock in an invisible corporation. You couldn't see it. Moses, same thing. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, saw the invisible. He marched to the drummer and the beat of a different drummer. Now, folks, faith is not having signs fall out of heaven to encourage us. Faith sometimes walking in darkness. Faith sometimes is not knowing where the next step is going to take us. But faith is always knowing God's going to take us. Have you, have, you, have you ever just stopped to consider how little we really can prove about what we're preaching here today? <laughs> I mean, you, you can't prove there's a God. How are you going to prove there's a God? You can't prove that. You, you can't prove Jesus ever existed. You you can't prove he rose from the dead. You, 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 there's none of you, you believe in prayer, but ain't a one of us in this place ever seen the one we're praying to. You can't prove that. How can you prove that a man survives when he goes in that grave down there? How are you going to prove that he either goes to heaven or hell? You can't prove any of that. The only thing we prove is our experience with the living God. It's walking by faith. We found in God the power over sin, the purpose in life, and we found the answers to our prayers. Critics all around us call it too subjective. We uh, point to change lives. We've seen here in Brother Jamie this morning. We saw Cam sing a few moments ago. Man, don't you tell me God can't change lives. You, you're not going to write that down and say this was given over to that. We've seen in our history where savage Indians literally killed people, five missionaries, and then the widows go back to that country later on and an entire tribe is saved. Abraham prayed to an invisible God. He owned stock in an invisible corporation. And let me tell you something, he was no fool. 
And if you own stock in that invisible corporation, you're not either. It has told us, someone said to a Christian, you Christians are a bunch of dreamers. Well, if we are, don't wake me up because it's wonderful. Just let me dream on. So there's the call of God. And then secondly, in this scripture, and also in Numbers a little bit later on, we see the presence of God. The pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. It caused uh, to pass before the camp of the children. And, and uh, when, when it moved, they moved. They didn't have to move until it moved. And Numbers 12 talks about it. Exodus 33 talks about it there. How we need the presence of God in this place today. How we need the presence of God in our government today and in our country today. We're living in a country that calls evil good and good evil. We're living in a country that makes no bones about wanting to murder unborn children. We're living in a country today where it seems like, I don't know, they, they lined up every pervert they could and, and, and landed them right over the United States of America. We need it in our colleges. We need the presence of God in our colleges and our universities where uh, academic now is leaning so forward towards a worldview that God has no place. Our schools of all grades. <laughs> and we wish we could stop there. But I want to tell you this morning, according to statistics from Barna Research, 60% of the preachers that are in the pulpit this morning don't even believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. We need the presence of God in our homes. It didn't mean that there would be no challenges if the presence of God was there. The presence of God was with Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. But they look back over their shoulders and there come Pharaoh with all of the chariots. Even in the presence of God, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have tribulations. There were disappointments at Marah where the water was bitter. There were difficulties. There was no water at all. There were decisions about the rules about manna. You know, we talk about, let's use some common sense. Let me tell you what common sense told them to do. There's a lot of manna here. Save some up for tonight. It turned rotten on them. You can't save up for tonight. It's God's grace. Only God's grace. It's only good for the present, for right now. The discomforts, they were in the wilderness. So they didn't go to buy no big shoes. I've got a new pair of shoes on this morning. They sure feel good. <laughs> My daddy would turn over in his grave if he knew what I paid for them. <laughs> but they're comfortable. Can you imagine 40 years and no shoes, no new shoes? The dangers. They had a war with Amalek, the delays. There were all kinds of challenges, but no matter what the challenges are, we need the presence of God. And in the Old Testament, when that cloud was there, they knew God was there. The glory of God was there. Now, we don't have that cloud anymore. Because on that day when the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, suddenly the glory of God left the tabernacle and moved in to dwell with us. 
So we're not looking for a tabernacle. We're looking for a Christian that's been washed in the blood, a deacon, a leader, someone who can portray the glory of God. Folk ought to be able to see Jesus in us. So they were called of the Lord, and they had the presence of the Lord, and then they were led by the Lord. Boy, we need to be led by the Lord. Uh, the invisible God led the children of Israel <laughs> in a visible cloudy pillar. And I want to tell you, the Holy Ghost does the same thing with us today. You may think, well, there's something just doesn't seem right about that. It's not something. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit of God. He dwells inside of us. You say, well, I'm just going to go with my heart. Well, you're going to mess up. Because your heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. You don't need to go with your heart. You don't need to go with your mind. You need to go with the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those led by the Lord. They've been delivered by the Lord. The Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. We've heard how all three of these men have been delivered by the Lord. They're not rebels. They're sons that are led by the Spirit. And then they ought to be unwaveringly following the Lord. <laughs> when they were getting ready to go to the promised land, my mind's gone blank. I think it's about a day's journey if they'd have went through uh, the shortcut. But the cloud didn't go that way. The cloud took them another way. And I want to tell you, there'll be a lot of times, guys, as you come into leadership and deacons, when it looks like the best thing to do would be to take the shortcut. But the cloud is telling you, you go my way. And you trust and obey. It's, it's really easy to follow the Lord when he's taking us the near way. But when God begins to take us around about a little bit, it gets harder to follow the Lord. We want to say, Lord, I know a shortcut. I've got a GPS, Lord. They've got a traffic jam up there. I can bypass all that. When in reality, God may have needed you at the traffic jam to lead somebody to the Lord before they died. Mm. We ought to follow in an orderly manner. The Bible says in verse 18 there that the children of Israel went up by five in a rank out of Egypt. They went up following the Lord orderly. Hmm. Harmonious, regular. When the Lord leads, we ought to follow him. And, and then he said... They're going to walk in the light. The Lord went before them. He was in the pillar. He led them. God will go before us and lead us also. Jesus said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life in John 8, 12. The light of God's presence still shines. Let me just be negative just for a moment too, because when you're going to be a leader, you're going to be a deacon, you're going to be anybody that wants to do anything for God. You're going to be pursued by the enemy. The enemy's there. <laughs> there. Chapter 14, Pharaoh pursued the children of Israel. He said they're entangled in the land. 
They're crazy. They don't know where they're going. They're weak-minded people, easy prey. And a lot of times when we follow the Lord, the world looks at us and says they're just ignorant. They're just, they don't know. They're weak. They don't understand. Luke 6.26 is a scripture we don't like to read very much. But it says, woe unto you when all speak well of you. Mm. There's, there's some folks all around us who don't love the Lord. Who literally hate the Jesus that we stand for. And some of us need to get some discernment and understand that when they're speaking well of us, they're not telling the truth. But those who are led by the Lord also shall see the salvation of the Lord. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord's going to fight for you. You just hold your peace. The victory is one of faith. Let me close here. We're going to sing the song of triumph. Those who are led by the Lord, we're going to sing the song of triumph. Don't quit. The Bible says in chapter 15, verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. You see, a Red Sea often will roll between our sorrows and our songs. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me, Psalm 50, 15. The song of praise, David says, I'll not give sleep to mine eyes, nor slumber to mine eyelids, until I found out a place of the Lord. I would challenge you men who are being ordained, don't give up. Don't quit. We're in this thing for the whole race. And we who endure to the end are going to sing a song of triumph. One of our favorite preachers here, do we have it? One of our favorite preachers here is uh, Dr. Rock Collins. Rock is the, he's moved up. He was pastoring when he was here. He's the one that preached the famous sermon here. She's dead. She's dead. Rock has now become the director of evangelism for the state of Tennessee. And, uh, in fact, he's coming again this August with us again. And I, he's got a little two-minute clip. He says it far better than what I could ever say it. But I want you just to listen to this two-minute clip of Dr. Rock Collins. He don't even like doctor. Just call him Rock. Uh, Dr. Rock Collins. Sometimes the road will get lonely and the friends will get few and sometimes the burdens are heavy and the trials seem to never end. But don't you quit. Just endure. When the frustrations are high and the funds are low, when the worship is dry and the amens have dried up, when the altar is empty and the baptismal waters are still, don't you quit. Just endure. Just press on. When your wife is weary, your children are discouraged, and you're ready to throw in the towel, don't you quit. Endure like a good soldier. See, you don't quit because we serve a great God. Why, he can equip the guilty, bless the burden, calm the troubled waters. Don't quit. Just trust him and endure because he can diffuse the disgruntled. He can extinguish the fires of the demons. He gives peace in the midst of the storm. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know you're lonely. When the road gets rough, don't you quit. Just endure. See, you got to remember 
You got to remember that the road gets long and the valley gets wide, but don't quit because the one that called you, he'll nourish your soul. He'll overcome the obstacles. He'll provide every need. He'll quiet the gossip. He'll revive the spirit. He'll satisfy the longing heart. He'll turn your night into day. He'll use your weakness. He'll visit with the hurting, work when no one else can, and revive the exhausted and give zeal to the weary. I'm telling you, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Just endure because people are dying and going to hell. Paganistic beliefs are being propagated all around. Hatred is rampant. Lies are being told as truth, and the truth is being called lies. And I came to tell you, King Jesus is still on the throne. His hand's still on the throttle. And one of these sweet days, we're going to arrive at glory, and we're going to climb up on his lap, and he's going to hold us in his arm. We're going to say, Jesus is Lord. And wait a minute, it was worth it all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh. I, I can't preach like that. You don't get no better than that. Don't you quit. Father, thank you this morning for allowing us to gather and worship you. Thank you for these three men who bowed on their knees before you. Lord, I ask you to keep your hand upon them. Lord, would you show them what they need to do and when they need to do it and how they need to do it. And may they not listen to the cares of this world and all of that, but God, may they hear you distinctly. I pray for others this morning. There's some in this congregation, they've already quit. Oh God, would you revive their dead bones today? Raise them up. May they come and say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I want to serve Jesus. Maybe others here that have never accepted you as their personal Savior. Lord, they're weak and they're weary and they've tried all the things of the world. Would you just let your Holy Spirit draw them right now? Let them be saved today. Lord, maybe there's somebody here who needs a church home. God, you're the one who places people in different churches. Have your way and your will. We ask you to make this invitation a time that would honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?